Today on the 1012 Podcast, myself, Chris, and Daniel make picks for all five Power 5 championship games and a G5 game of our choosing. Plus, Sam and Bobby from Scott and Holman Podcast are here to talk about the latest on the Houston football head coaching search, including our top candidates and what we think a name will be called. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chilling by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 10-12 Network. Find every show in the network at 1012network.com. Plus, we are partners with Sport Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network. Go check them out. Link is in the show notes. They have a fantastic collection of podcasts for you. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us. On this Thursday, it is championship week. The regular season is over. The season is over for some teams. A few teams this weekend striving, hoping that they can win a conference championship. A few teams, more than usual, with a college football playoff berth on the line. We are here to make picks for most of them. Uh, Joining me as they do every Thursday he is our pro picker, our man with the stats, the data, and the expertise. He is Daniel Alexander. Hey, man, we're trying. You know, broken clocks, right? What, six times a day? Something like that. Uh, twice a day? <laughs> yeah, probably. That's the that's the joke. <laughs> that's the joke. Uh, yeah, blind squirrel can find a nut now and then. Uh, also joining us, he is the, uh, let's, let's change it up, Mr. Discus himself, Chris Ross. Oh, there's a, that's a good one. All right. Yeah. Hey, I had a good week finally. So, uh, there's that. <laughs> I never, I, Mr. Hate, Over, I hate these. Intros. Call you Mr. Over Under. I hate these. We're going to call you Mr. Over Under because that's I told you, you, I don't did. do it. It seems like I don't, I've always said, I don't really do over unders. I feel like it's just too easy. Um, you know, too we'll, easy. Let the, we'll let that professional picker do the over unders. We'll let Philip do the over unders. <laughs> I've always said they're too easy. I don't. I, I like going against the spread, and I, I think I backed that up last week. Oh, 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 oh. oh. all right. You're going to put your money where your mouth is this week, then. All right. Uh, we will recap uh, last week's picks. Uh, but before we do that, I was joined by Sam and Bobby from Scott and Holman Podcast to talk about the four primary candidates for the Houston head coaching job and the two names, of course, at the top of the list, who they favor. Our thoughts on this search and when we expect it to be done. Uh, we're going to hop into that interview. We'll be right back. 
as of now, and it seems likely, it is the only Big 12 football job that is open. Houston Cougars decided to move off of Dana Holgerson after a 4-8 and season. That's their first year in the Big 12. So the Houston, Houston Cougars, Houston, sorry, are on the board looking for a new head coach. And there's plenty to talk about joining us today. Uh, two of the three hosts of our Houston podcast here in the 1012 Network. It is the Scott and Holman podcast. Sam, Bobby, boys, welcome. Thanks for having us, Phil. Love being on. It's always a pleasure. Sam, a many-time returning uh, guest. Bobby, a first-timer. Always a pleasure to have. Welcome new faces here to the show. Uh, obviously, let's. you guys put out a fantastic episode just recapping Dana being fired, so I don't want to take too much away from that. I'm going to Fans, listeners, please go and check out that episode. But just real quick, um, your thoughts just on Houston making the move to fire Dana after just one season in the Big Twelve? Yeah, it it was uh it it to be honest with you, it was something that I thought was a possibility, like a strong possibility, but I didn't think our leadership was gonna do it. I just didn't see us moving on from Dana. And to be honest, when they said they were going to talk about it on Sunday following the game, I was like, that's kind of interesting. But I thought they were going to do the uh, Scott Frost treatment where uh, you tell him he's got to get rid of everybody. Clean house. You can stay in. Maybe we reduce your salary just a little bit if you want to keep this job and uh, and see how it goes from there. And they got rid of him on Sunday. And I was I was shocked uh, that we moved on from him um, just because I thought that he was. I I thought he was right when he said last year that he had an impossible effing buyout. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, it's $14.8 million. We've never been a school that just throws around money like that. We've always done more with less. And uh, we used to compete with big 12 teams doing less. And now, uh, now we've kind of stepped onto the stage and said, let's go. Uh, We want to be, we want to be one of the big dogs out here. So uh, pretty, pretty uh, interesting that we did let him go. And I think to add, I, I think this season forced U of H's administration's hand. I don't think U of H wanted to go into this year making a change. I think I think they wanted Dana to just do just enough to keep his job. And then if 2024 wasn't a bowl team, then to move on. I think that was the general plan that the university leadership wanted to do. I, I don't think they wanted to make a change in year one of the Big 12. But I think the results kind of forced their hand that nine of the conference games U of H played this year, only three were decided by single digits, including your two wins, which were by incredibly narrow margins that down the stretch, the team didn't look competitive. And I think the two most damning data points were the games against your two former AAC uh, uh, compadres, uh, Cincy and UCF, and that you didn't just lose those two games. You lost them. You looked very uncompetitive. I, I think the game against Cincy this year is one of the most demoralizing as a Cougar fan. And there's competition this year. We've got shot for the first time in 23 years at K-State. Like there's competition. You didn't score an offensive touchdown in your first ever big 12 game this game that you've been circling kind of on the calendar for years you went out there lost to certainly not tcu's best team of the last decade or so and didn't score a single offensive touchdown i mean you saw the crowd shots that was the vote of this fan base it wasn't just a oh well this team is four and five people are going to stop showing up i realize this is a thickler fan base but i promise you that was more about dana holgerson than it was about the team being four and five or four and six or whatever the record was when you saw those crowd shots, I, I think the administration realized there was just no possible way Dana Holgerson was going to be able to realistically get this fan base back on his side. And 
I think you said it, Bob, you're going to eventually be paying him, whether you're paying his salary next year as head coach or paying this buyout. And I think they correctly realized that this was a pretty good market here. I don't know if they realized that Baylor was going to do something as stupid as keeping Dave Aranda around for another <laughs> year and basically eliminating kind of your most direct competition for candidates. So yeah, that's kind of how we got here uh, on this morning, talking about a Dana Holgerson, uh, no longer led Houston Cougar football program. Yeah, and just one more like data point that I thought was interesting too, and we talked about it on the pod, is we have like the 102nd ranked recruiting class. And I think that if you don't, if your recruiting class is better than that, right? If you got a top 40 recruiting class, you know, you're sneaking in even top 50. I think you can say, you know what? He's at least got the future looking right. He's going to, he's, he can maybe get a couple of portal guys who can come in here and, uh, and shore up the offensive line or do something like that. But you can't be bad on the field currently and then have the 102nd ranked recruiting class in the, uh, in the country right now, those two things just don't work together. And that's like Sam said, why we're sitting here talking to you about a, uh, uh, Dana Holgerson, less, uh, Houston Cougar football program. Yeah, definitely feels like a, all these things combined lead to Dana being out more than one thing in particular. So let's look to the future. Um, right now, the job is open. Uh, the reports have been that they have already interviewed Jeff Trailer, UTSA head coach, twice uh, potentially. Uh, there's talk that they're waiting to interview Willie Fritz at, U- at, uh, at Tulane, who's been a hot commodity for a couple of years. Obviously, he is in the AAC championship game that we played this Saturday. Uh, other names that have been connected to this are Barry Odom at UNLV, former Missouri head coach uh, and uh, and Arkansas defensive coordinator, as well as Gary Patterson, who just seems to want to take jobs in the state of Texas to spite TCU for <laughs> making him no longer uh, be the head coach there. So I'm curious from you guys' perspective. Um, Let's start with if you had to rank those four candidates in order. And and feel free to throw somebody else in if you've got somebody else you want to put in first or second in the list. Uh, Sam, let you go first this time. Where are you ranking the guys of like, this is who I think would be the right hire for you? So I would say right now I have Fritz and Trailer one and two, and it's a very close one. You could almost say it's like a 1A, 1B. Really, all four of the candidates you said, I don't like them all exactly the same, but if you – told me tomorrow one of those fours could be Houston Cougar head football coach it is infinitely preferable to what this program was looking like a week ago with uh, Dana Holgerson running things so I think we did like 10 it was it was 10 total uh, candidates we talked about on our uh, our post Dana pod Bobby mm-hmm. is that right yep, yep. and 10. we kind of just like we don't like them all the same but just like all 10 of them were like yeah I think that even Cliff Kingsbury like yeah I think that's a better one even though Cliff is not someone I really 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 want he is my 10th out of 10 of those choices but and <laughs> yeah. I would say yeah, Odom in um Odom and uh, who's it? You said, yeah, Odom and Patterson kind of in that order afterwards, but I, I like both of them. Uh, I've gotten to see UNLV up close and personal living out here. Like that, the fact that he has them nine and three is wizardry. I mean, that's a better resource program now than it was like 10 years ago. They have a nice on campus facility. They play, they have their own locker room at the Raiders Stadium. It, it's a more attractive job than it's been historically, but it's still UNLV football. And he's nine and three there, I think, is a, is a really big compliment. And I know that Patterson's. I think latter years at TCU weren't the best, but he's proven that he can win enough in the big 12 and can do it at a place where he's not like, he's not the most resource program that I, I think that's attractive. But for me, it's, it's Willie Fritz because the guy has literally won at every level of college football. He's been at D2 uh, took the same Houston to multiple FCS uh, national championship games, just an hour or so up the road from Houston, uh, led Georgia Southern's transition from FCS to FBS and did very well in those two years there and is 
it built Tulane into a consistent bowl team, which we were in Tulane's conference for many, many years. And that team was just a trip a, a, a trip to New Orleans every other year and an easy win just about every time you saw them on the field. And he turned them into not just a genuinely solid program, but now winning on an unprecedented level, the modern level or in the modern era in New Orleans. Really impressive there. Trailer, incredibly accomplished Texas high school coach, uh, has, I think, didn't just make the jump straight from high school head coach to college head coach, got some time as an assistant there as well. I think he checks all the boxes there to win almost 40 games in four years at UTSA. I think once he leaves UTSA, whether that's for the U of H job or some other job, I think people are going to realize, holy shit, the job trailer did there was really good. Like, I don't think trailer successor is going to win at nearly the same level. Like that's, that's not as resources a program as you would think for being in Texas and for the advantages there. So I, I would say in that order and trailer and Fritz, I, I think definitely top of the list. Yeah. For me, I've, I've been on the uh, higher Willie Fritz train probably harder than anyone else has on our pod uh, since, since probably three weeks before Dana got fired. So uh, Fritz is a clear cut. Number one for me, guy, just like Sam says, wins everywhere he goes uh, has never really just been bad. Um, and he's done it at every level. And the final level for him is, P5 or P4 now, right? Um, And I want to see him and be a part of that success that he's going to have. The big knock on him is going to be his age, right? Um, He's 65, 63, 63. Sorry, I get, I get my old men confused sometimes, Uh, but he's uh, 63. So how much longer is he going to do it? You know, there's that question, but really when you look at it, he's the same age as a lot of successful P5 coaches. Um, he still clearly connects with his, with the younger recruits and things like that. He's getting a lot of talent in Tulane. And like Sam said, that Tulane program was just awful when we were uh, students and, uh, up until Willie Fritz took over really. So, uh, big, big, uh, Big get there for us if we are able to secure him. Trailer's going to be my number two. Uh, I pretty much have everybody in the same order as Sam. Uh, that UTSA program is a young program, and to do what he's done there is just magnificent. The one concern that I have is, uh, is he a coach who's riding on his quarterback? He's had the same quarterback every single year that he has that he's been at UTSA. And this year when that quarterback went down, he just, uh, the team didn't look as good. That's when they looked the worst throughout the season. So going to be interesting to see if, if you do bring him in, if he doesn't have his quarterback who uh, can carry him, I I compared it to the uh, Jimbo Fisher, right? Jimbo Fisher made a lot of money off Jameis Winston and uh, taking, taking Florida state to the national title behind Jameis Winston and Jimbo never looked really the same after he lost Jameis Winston. So that's my concern with trailer, but uh, Odom, uh, like we, like we said to do what he's done at UNLV is something not many people have ever done at UNLV. In fact, no one may have done it at UNLV Um, Patterson. I don't hate the idea, but he's definitely a distant fourth for me. Those last few years at TCU, they weren't good. Those teams were not good football teams. They weren't fun to watch. They just, they were fine, and it just feels like it's kind of a big, sexy name that you're kind of like, oh, man, I can't wait. Gary Patterson, oh, man, he was so good, and everyone remembers how good his good teams were, but a lot of people forget how bad his bad teams were. And the guys come out and said before, maybe he's changed, you know, but uh, that he doesn't want, he doesn't like the idea of NIL, and he's never going to change uh, the way he goes with NIL, and man, you have to, you have to play game in the NIL space now. So if you don't, 
what's going to happen if he comes in and he still is stubborn about NIL? We're right back here. We're going four and eight, and we're trying to recruit guys who already have the means necessary when they could make a million dollars by going to Texas or somewhere like that. Yeah, look, I, I'm, I'm, in my opinion, if Houston Sunday, because it does feel like this decision will be made by the end of the weekend. If uh, come Sunday, the reports are not that Willie Fritz or Jeff Trailer are the next head coach of the University of Houston, then I think Chris Pesman has has blown it. Yeah, like period. You have two very very good candidates available to you that have had success and and bring something to Houston that will should move Houston forward in the Big 12. And if you're out here naming Barry Odom, who I'd like to see what he does after Brendan Marion yep. is no longer Bingo, his yeah. offensive coordinator, or Gary Patterson, who I'm not pr- sure he's not still just an old curmudgeon who wants to just hire all of his buddies and do things the way he did at TCU and still believes that he was doing everything the right way. Like, I need a little bit of proof yep. of concept beyond just like, no, I've changed. Like, sure. <laughs> like, if it's not Willie Fritz or Jeff Trailer. I think Pesman has screwed the pooch and it will be his job on the line if it's not one of those two. And I don't see how you don't get one of them because look, Willie Fritz has been trying to get a power five job. This is a power five job. Jeff Trailer, I'm not sure works outside of Texas to the degree that he does inside the state of Texas. Maybe at an yeah, Oklahoma Arkansas, State or yeah. Arkansas, a, t- a school that is in very close proximity to the yep. state of Texas. But I think he has to be in or close to the state of Texas for what he does. And I don't mean that as a gimmick. I just mean his strength lies in the state of Texas. So for Houston, I think those are the two guys. And if it's not one of those, I, I, I it's a mistake. Now, I, as far as the two go, like I think I'm. I, if you're a Houston fan, I think you guys are on the money here. Like if either of those two names, you're going to be happy and should oh, yeah. be happy with. Like Fritz, Fritz to me is 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 Lance Leipold, yeah. too. Southern like Southern Lance older, Leipold, basically, yeah. <laughs> Southern Lance Leipold, not grew up in Midwest Wisconsin. Lance Leipold has won at every level he's gone to, has had success, has taken downtrodden programs who don't have a history of success and turned them into successful programs, and is a winning football coach and has had success at the program he is at in Tulane by having to replace coordinators on a yeah. regular basis, by the way. Like, it's not like he's, oh, I've had the same OC in, in DC this whole time. He's had to replace them because every time they have a good year, those guys get promoted. And so like, I'm, I am perfect. I am, I'm a, I lean Jeff trailer because I think that given a, a place that's going to have the resources that Houston has, that Jeff trailer can win. I, I've seen the quarterback argument and that's fine. I get that. And I understand that's a question that you want answered. Um, in my mind, like if, if you don't get him now, Baylor's going oh, yeah. to next year. Yep. And I, and, and, and I, I don't mean that as a shot. Like I like Dave Aranda, but I'm. Yeah. I I would put money down right now that Dave Aranda will not be the head coach of the Baylor University in 2025. So if you don't hire hire Jeff Trailer now, it's going to be shocking if he's not the head coach of Baylor come next year, unless UTSA just completely falls apart and goes two and ten. So I think you've got two fantastic candidates. I would be shocked if one of those two is not named head coach come Sunday after the interview with Willie Fritz is done after the AAC championship game. You know, after the interview, after the ask AAC us how we know. <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> reminder, reminder. Uh, well, and Bobby, before we start recording, you said it yourself. Like Fritz has commented in a very unexpected way about being 
up for the Houston job himself. Yeah, already. it was it was a couple of days ago, and and like I told you guys, I I was surprised I didn't see this when it when it happened. But he was asked like, "Hey, if you're interviewing for jobs, specifically the Houston one, have you told them that?" with the focus being on your on your players in the championship game do you want to and I'm and I'm paraphrasing here right like are you going to interview after the game like are you waiting till after the conference championship game to interview and typically as U of H fans we've heard this question asked to our coaches I don't know 10,000 times right we've they typically go no we're focused on the university we're focused at the task at hand blah 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 he straight up said yes like one word are you waiting until after Sunday to interview for the job? And he said, yes. And it's like, wait a minute, you're not denying this. And it was just very clear that he's like, no, I'm, I'm going to interview for that job. And there's it, I'm, it's, it's happening. And so, but I am going to wait till, till Saturday night to do it. And by that, we mean he's definitely interviewing Thursday, or at least his agent is uh, having some discussions. I would imagine. If his agents ain't good, he's like working the back channels and letting Fritz focus on the the ball coaching aspects. Two points of friction, one for each of the two guys as well. Uh, Tulane, their athletic director uh, for a long time, Fritz's longtime boss, uh, got the same job at Washington, and they just filled the position with somebody who is not Willie Fritz's pick. Willie Fritz wanted, I believe, the current Tulane number two to get the uh, get the job. I think he had previous AD experience in his past and left to take the number two job at Tulane, which is a bigger program than he was at. Uh, did not choose that guy, which I would imagine is at least somewhat of a source of friction here. He's negotiating with somebody who has been his boss for maybe all of like a week and a half. Uh, trailer, I don't know the full details of it, but they had a big student referendum for a student fee that would have, I think, uh, pretty sizably increased uh, money going to athletics, including obviously UTSA football. And it got voted down by, I think, almost a two to one margin by the UTSA student body. And uh, trailer's not thrilled about that. You're seeing. Uh, San Antonio media who are kind of tight with trailer being like, Hey, the issue here is he doesn't want to keep squeezing nickels out. So I think two different, not you know guaranteeing that those guys like want to get out, but I think two different friction points for U of H's two top candidates at their current schools. And one more thing to point out. Um, we don't know Willie Fritz's buyout because they're, they're a private university. We do know UTSA's is $7 million. And that's a pretty sizable buyout that Houston's going to have to pay on top of the Dana Holgerson buyout. So um, just one thing to look for when it comes to, to trailer a $7 million buyout after you buy out Dave Aranda. Uh, it looks different for Baylor than it does for the university of Houston. If we're just being honest with one another. I mean, look, Fertitta's got all this money. I just, you, get, you know, they got Houston boosters. He's not no, the yeah. only one with money. Who's a Houston booster. He's just the right. mega booster for yep. Houston who makes a lot of decisions. Um, like, I, I think you've got two great options. Um, I, again, I will be shocked if it is not Jeff trailer yep. or Willie Fritz named the new Houston head coach with a press conference on Monday and the report coming out on Sunday. So uh, obviously something to keep an eye on through the weekend. I know you guys will have plenty about this on the Scott and Holman podcast, which is available everywhere, but do me a favor guys. Plug it all, plug it away. Yeah, so we were, like uh, Phillips said, we are on uh, all podcast uh, platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, Google. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some there. We're most active on Twitter slash X at SHPAWDcast, uh, podcast.bsky.social, I believe on Blue Sky. Uh, yeah, no, we're, <laughs> we're we're all those places talking uh, talking Houston Cougars. Just had a new episode coming out about uh, the developments uh, such as they are with this football surge as well as everything else that is uh, – in-season sports-wise with the University of uh, Houston's athletic teams. Bobby, did I miss anything? No, sir. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Uh, as I said, very much expect uh, a decision to be made by the end of the weekend, Monday at the latest. If we don't have somebody named on Tuesday, I would be shocked. Uh, the Big 12 put out the all Big 12 team on Wednesday. With the team, the players, Mike Gundy winning coach of the year, Ollie Gordon, offensive player of the year. Uh, look, I, we're going to talk about that on Monday's episode. Because we got to get to picks. And and I, so we will save that for Monday. We will just break down Andy and my thoughts. We'll get a guest to join us and, and, and share their thoughts as well. And maybe who were the omissions uh, and, and whether or not Mike Gundy should have been coach of the year. It's not who I would have picked. It's not who I would have picked. I understand it. I'm good with it. Did you say Ollie Gordon was player of the year? Offensive player of the year. Yes. Wait, that, that's a great that one. Good for him. Yeah. And that was, it was the right call. He was a unanimous decision uh, for the first team as well. Um, a lot of debate about Mike Gundy. Uh, I Some think Steve Sarkeesian should have won coach of the year. I think I would have gone with Matt Campbell, uh, but I will also listen to a strong case for Neil Brown. I think there was a lot of good candidates this year based off of expectations and what was achieved this season as far as, um, who could have been named coach of the year. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Mike Gundy, but I understand arguments for other people as well. So we'll, we'll do that on Monday. Let's recap what happened last week, our last week of the regular season picks. Chris, Mr. Over Under was our big winner going six and two hit on over 63 in Oklahoma TCU. <laughs> that one went way over hit on over 54 in Texas, Texas tech hit on the under 61 and a half in UCF Houston hit on the over 55 and a half in Baylor, West Virginia, Hit on the over 46 and a half in Kansas State, Iowa State, and hit on the over 50 and a half in James Madison, Coastal Carolina. The misses were the under 56 and a half in OSU BYU. That would have worked had not been for overtime. And hit on the under 58 and a half in Cincinnati, Kansas. Six and two on the week brings you to 49 and 58. Still at the back, but that was a big week, sir. With two weeks left to go, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say you're completely out of it. Yeah, like I said, over-under is too easy. I should have just gone gone with them earlier in the year, then uh, this would be a runaway. I fully expect some over-unders <laughs> this week, so you can you can follow that up. Hey, oh, no, you know what? Full, fully avoiding them now. <laughs> oh, okay. That's I, 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 can, I can talk my ish and then, you know, walk away. Take your winnings and leave. <laughs> uh, I came in second with a five- and three week hit on Oklahoma minus nine and a half hit on Texas minus 12 and a half hit on the under 61 and a half in UCF Houston hit on Kansas minus six and a half and hit on the over 46 and a half in Kansas state, Iowa state misses were under 56 and a half on OSU BYU. Like I said, it was, it was great till overtime happened. Missed on West Virginia minus eight and a half Baylor, you know, who, who can predict two kickoff returns by Baylor and missed on Nebraska minus two versus Iowa. I should have just taken the under. I get what I get. I get what I deserve. It's fine. Five and three on the week brings you to 56 and 51 which makes me tied with Daniel, who went four and four on the week, hit on OU minus nine and a half, hit on Texas minus 12 and a half, hit on Iowa State plus 10 versus Kansas State, and hit on Tulsa plus three uh, versus uh, ECU. They actually won that one outright. The misses were the over 61 and a half in UCF Houston, the Oklahoma State minus 16 and a half, 
Cincinnati plus six and a half versus Kansas, and West Virginia minus eight and a half on Baylor. Four and four for the week, 56 and 51 with two pick episodes to go. We are tied, sir. To be honest, it felt like I was doing worse than I did. So four and four, I'll take it. We're tied. Two weeks to go. Hey, man, may the the best man win. It's all good. Nothing but love. Oh, this is all for fun and beer, but also fun. Uh, It was a good week by all. Uh, Is that the first week? I might have to go back and look. Where none of us finished below 500. Uh, No, no. Week nine, we were all above 500 that week. So it's not, not the only time this season. Uh, definitely a positive, I would say, as we lead into the stretch. Of course, we have championship picks this week, and then we'll pick all the Big 12 Bowl games plus one. So with that said, you guys ready to make picks? Let's hit it. Let's do it. All right, we do this in chronological order, mostly. Since we're doing championship games, we will save the Big 12 pick for the final one. What we are going to do today is we will pick all the Power 5 championship games, Pac-12, SEC, ACC, Big 10, and Big 12, and then we each get to pick one G5 championship game as well of our choosing over under spread, whatever we would like. Uh, Chris is our big winner. Congratulations. You're going to be the first one up today. We start with Friday night's game between Oregon and Washington for the final Pac-12 championship. As far as the conference, as we know it exists as of right now, Oregon is a nine and a half point favorite. Total is at 66. Chris, what would you like, sir? Yeah, this is a good one. Oh, man. I think Oregon is going to outclass Washington in the end. Washington's a great story, undefeated. But Oregon and Bo Nix are just, they're so good. They are so, so good. And they can put up points. Both of these teams can put up points. And you know what? I said I was going to avoid the over-unders this week. And I think I might let it ride one more game because it's at – I showed it at 65 and a half. Would you say 66? But efficiency uh, has it at, what did it have this game at? It was like 70, 74. I'm going to go the over. Both these teams can score. Um, nothing's going to slow down Oregon. So it's just whether or not Washington can score with them. But I like there to be a lot of points in this one. This is going to be a fun game. It's kind of funny that Oregon and Washington have to travel all the way to Las Vegas to play, to play the championship game between them. Uh, yeah, MGM and FanDuel both have a 65 and a half. So congratulations, uh, you get perfect. over 65 and a half. I am up next. Uh, I'm just, projections are kind of all over the map with this game. Uh, most of the totals are either on the mark or just under. Um, and then as far as projections go, from SP+, Room 44, Tissue, Beta, FEI, Parker, uh, K-Ford, like some, some like Oregon to cover, some don't. So I mean, Look, Oregon is a very aggressive team, and Washington was able to take advantage of that in the last meeting. I do think Oregon is the right side if you're just going to go straight up here. I do wonder, and and look, Oregon's been playing a whole lot better than Washington has these last few weeks. Like Washington has been in a lot of tight games. Oregon has been far more dominant. And so you go into this game and just feel like Oregon should should have no problem. They've seen Washington before. They're not playing as well. Oregon should come in and just should win this by that much. I, being on a Friday night, and Friday night games get weird, I think this game will be competitive. I think 9.5 is the best I can find. Yeah, there's no there aren't any 10s out there, unless you see one, Daniel. 
I don't. I'm going to take Washington plus nine and a half. I just... I think Washington can keep this game competitive. I really do. Um, I, I, I feel like this is going to be more of a touchdown game like last time. I do think Oregon should come out on top this time. In rematches, I tend to favor the team that lost the first match, especially when it's two fairly exactly. even teams or mm-hmm. two good teams. So I do think Oregon's the right side here, but at almost 10 points, I'm going to go with Washington to get the cover. Daniel? This feels like... Uh... Look, feels like a little bit of a rat line, right? Everyone's talking about the disrespect. They can't believe Washington's plus 10 and all this kind of stuff. Um, I'm going to take Oregon. I'm going to take the minus nine and a half. Um, It just feels like this game is 250-50. Too too many people are talking like, this is too many points for Washington. How can you give them this much? And actually, I I don't love Bo Nix either. I mean, Bo Nix, he's got great numbers. He he throws – zero yard sling passes and screens and you know i mean it's not his fault he, he you know he, 37 he and two fun. though yeah two Touchdown because he doesn't, picks. Because mean, he doesn't throw on, the two ball picks on the season he doesn't Ooh. throw the ball i mean what you know sure if you hand the ball off a hundred times how many interceptions are you gonna throw he threw it at right. least 37 times i'm just saying like <laughs> you know he, he doesn't really throw it out field i mean whatever it's a Look, Oregon, hey, straight up, um, best defensive coordinator on the West Coast. Love him. Tosh Lupoy is amazing up at Oregon. Um, absolutely great DC. I just I feel like this might be a little bit of a beatdown. I feel like this might be Oregon into the teens. Oregon 17, Oregon winning by 20, something like that. So give it to me. Nice. I like it. I like going head to head. All right. We move on to Saturday. Three o'clock on CBS. Alabama versus Georgia in Atlanta. Playoff berth on the line. Second straight game with a playoff berth on the line. Washington undefeated Oregon with one loss. Now you get undefeated Georgia versus one loss Alabama. The committee is going to have so much fun this week. I just, just, I, I'm, I'm almost hoping and praying for chaos because it's going to make their jobs that much harder and the explanations are going to be that much worse. But I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Uh, at the moment, Georgia. About a five-point favorite. I do see some five-and-a-halves as well. Total hanging at 54. I am up first here. I I had a conversation with a friend today, and he just said, Georgia's going to win this game. Alabama can't win this game. And I just stopped and looked at him for a second. I was like, look, I, I get it. Everyone's all over Georgia. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Georgia's the better team. Georgia win this game. Georgia's been playing dominant down the stretch. Alabama just struggled with a terrible Auburn team. Um, Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. And I thought, man, it's it to, to discount Nick Saban in that way is crazy. But I also think there's something to this. Like Alabama's offense has been very good. And the belief is that their defense is really good, right? Outside of Quinn Ewers, Who's the best quarterback that Alabama's played all year? Are you asking? I mean, I, yeah. I'm just, do, uh, do you guys who do you who do you think is the best quarterback that Alabama's faced uh, all year outside of? Uh, gosh, I got to break the schedule. Fuck right? <laughs> yeah, we, we got we got we got. Uh, this is going to be some got, great dead air time here. KJ Jefferson <laughs> at, at Arkansas. Alabama yeah, kind of escaped yeah. that one, right? It was twenty four twenty one. 
Jaden Daniels LSU. Well, they only put up twenty eight points. Of course, LSU's defense is bad. Like I, I, oh, I mean, actually, I that, that's of, the answer right there. Jaden Daniels. I mean, Jaden Daniels. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the best quarterback to play this year. And and Alabama, they went into that game with like both like their top three corners all were out for that game for LSU. So Alabama just put up a ton of points and it was fine. I just, I kind of wonder if as good as Alabama has looked through the SEC play. I don't think the SEC quarterback stock is very good this year. I just, I don't. And so I wonder if Alabama's defense, the way they've looked, is a little bit, a little bit fool's goldy. Maybe not quite as good and not good enough to make Georgia, like, not be able to put up some points on them. Right? So we like, Georgia's defense is good, but Alabama's offense has been humming. They're they're scoring fairly well. Georgia's defense is good, but I, I think Alabama's defense might be a little bit overrated. I think the offense. So I, I look at this and I look at a point total at 54. And I think, I think, I think this is going to go over. So unless someone can find something lower than 54, and I think that's the lowest I see from anybody. Uh, I'm shopping, I'm shopping, I'm shopping, I'm shopping. Yeah, and I better get it quick because I think it's starting to go up to 54 and a half. Um, I'm going to take over 54 in this game. I, I, I think there are going to be more points than people expect. I, I think that there absolutely will. I, I, I think a like 30-28 kind of game is in the books here. I, I don't think this is going to be a, a classic way you think of SEC, like just two defenses smash-mouthing each other, game played with two teams in the teens. I think this will go over 54. Daniel, what a fascinating game! First off, um, oh yeah, incredible game. Too. Just what a great end of this year. But so this is tough. Um, I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb. I could be totally wrong, and if I am, whatever. I'm wrong all the time. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong 47 percent of the time. You know, I make these selections. If you go up and you pull Georgia's schedule up this year. I mean, you want to talk about fool's goldie? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, by the way, I love that term. Don't even know what it is, but sure, fool's goldie. I'll take it. So good. Um, <laughs> You're like, welcome. You can add no, it. It's like, I mean, Missouri was the best team they played all year, and they won the game by nine points. And it was a tough game. I mean, that was just a game all in out. It was like a really well-played game, like, is Alabama like by far the best team that this squad is going to play all year? And, you know, there's going to be diehard SEC people that, that, that can, you know, break down rosters and individual matchups in a way that I can't. But, I mean, I look at this, it's like Alabama can win this game. Like the, the point spread seems uh, almost a little bit off to me. Like I, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the points here with Alabama, but it's like, you go read off who Georgia played, and it's, you know, they beat South Carolina by 10. They blew out Kentucky. Well, that's great, whatever. They only beat Auburn by seven. They didn't cover against Vandy. They won by 17, but I, I think that was a way bigger spread. I don't know. Florida, they weren't good. They blew out Mississippi. I guess that's a good game, but it's like close against Missouri, close against Georgia Tech. I don't know. Where's the national championship buzzsaw that I'm supposed to be looking at here? So. Really intriguing matchup. I think Alabama is a very live dog to win this game straight up. 
And I look forward to seeing it. Give me the points. I, I know this has been bet out for Georgia, but uh, whatever the best line you can find, let's see. What is, what's Circa hanging right now? Circa's got a five and a half. Oh, yeah. There's a six um, somewhere. There's a six at Caesars. Mm, if that's it, then no. But, but Well, but it, Caesars has a six. Who is this? Someone else has a six here. i got to figure out who this is. Okay, that's the Caesars six. Um, FanDuel's got a six and a half. Bet Rivers got a six. Yeah, give me a six. Six flats. Six, give, six flats fair. I'll give it to you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give it to you. Chris? Yeah. Uh, Alabama can can definitely win this. I mean, I don't know if anybody's seen or they can't. Georgia, probably the better team, but Alabama absolutely able to win. What I look at is, listen, we all remember the game of the century that was six to nine. And and I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I feel like you think SSD, you think low scoring. So you see this point total at, what, what was it at? 54. 54. 54. Um, and I kind of go under, but then you look at, you know, I pull up the last uh, SEC championship games here, you know, and, you know, 2016, 54 to 16. 2018, 35 to 28. 2020, 52 to 46. 2021, 41, 24. Last year, 30, 50 to 30. You know, the SEC has switched the offensive style. They're putting up a lot of points. Um, that grown man defense uh, went to sleep. So let's uh, – I think I'm with you, Philip. I think we're going to go with the over here. I'm gonna, I think this total's too low. He can't kick the totals. You look at him. Just... Yeah. He, he's he's well, the, the problem is yeah, that line is like right on the money, right? Like that, winning, that's a winning, tough line for this game. Five winning points, is addictive. Points. Yeah. Winning is addictive. It's winning easy. Addictive. The totals are easy, guys. Oh. Easy. They're easy. <laughs> They're easy, he says. So easy. He'd run away with it had he not taken uh, I'm getting he'd just taken totals. Sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> All right, moving on down the line, we go to the ACC championship game. This one kicking off at 7 p.m. on ABC in Charlotte, North Carolina. Undefeated Florida State without their starting quarterback against Louisville coming off a loss to Kentucky in a non-conference rivalry game. At the moment, Florida State, who opened as a six and a half point favorite, all the way down to minus two and a half. Total, pretty much 47 and a half across the board. Daniel, you're up first. Oh, yeah, Daniel, you're up first, sir. What would you like? I mean, we're getting set up here. Some years these matchups aren't that good, but there's like so much intrigue you know, roped into all of these things, and especially with Florida State sitting at number four for, uh, uh, you know, the playoff spot. Um, line was bet down immediately. The the four, the three and a half, the threes were bought. Now we're looking at a juiced up two and a half all across the market here for Florida State. Um, hey, look, Florida State came out, and they did the job they were supposed to do last week against Florida. Uh, it, it wasn't pretty, but they did win the game, uh, almost there by double digits. I had no action, so I don't know what the spread was on that one. So uh, I don't know if they covered or not. Look, there's so much chatter about, uh, you know, Florida State uh, losing their quarterback two weeks ago. Louisville's getting, like, from from the programs I run, they're getting, like, almost 60% of the bets. This just seems like um, – seems like another – situation of like a trendy dog right everyone's fading florida state they're not going to be able to do it um they're going to be the ones that lose to let someone else 
get into the playoff of I'm not buying it. Like this again, just feels like another setup. Florida state's just going to win. And we're going to get some crap Florida state team as, as the number four seed uh, or the number three seed. If, you know, if the committee needs to, you know, try to look ahead to set up a better matchup for the championship. So give me that Florida state two and a half. They're going to win this game. They're going to cover. No one's going to believe it. And they're going to kind of spoil the playoffs a little bit by being there. It's all yours, FSU minus two and a half. Chris? I think I'm right with Daniel on this one uh, for a lot of the reasons he just said. Louisville, I mean, just got caught last week by Kentucky. Maybe looking ahead a little bit. Um, yeah, that's uh, – listen, the, the over-under, I would love to continue that train. Uh, it is so easy, but this line's a little tight. Uh, efficiency has it at 49. Uh, what we're seeing here is like 47 and a half, so maybe a slight edge there, but – but Florida State at only at under a field goal, I got to go with Florida State. It's interesting because I always think when I look at stuff like this in this game that it's hard to look at the, the metrics I trust because they're going to take a full season into context, right? And with mm-hmm. with Florida State's starting quarterback, which I think most of these do, like Florida State's a more than a touchdown favorite in this game. The line has come down so far. And by the way, yeah, Florida Florida State was a six-point favorite last week. They won by nine. They covered. Now, I don't think Florida's very good. And I think Louisville is pretty good. But I think Florida State's going to be fine. And I hate that we're all going to agree. Oh, no. It's over. But we are. I know. But if I take Louisville, then you guys are going to get it. So, you know, we'll just, we'll all ride it together. <laughs> hey, at least we're going to free up some space in this playoff race. We, we are. We're going <laughs> to, we're doing Louisville a favor here, which actually does uh, Texas a favor because they could really stand to, to have someone like Florida State out of the race and out of the way for them, uh, assuming they, uh, they, they win uh, the Big 12. Um, speaking of getting things out of the way. That's a terrible transition. I'm just going to do it anyways. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Charlie Hustle. I really, I had no idea, but I needed to stick the ad read here. So this is where we're going to go. It's going to go right here. I'm always happy to do this ad read because it's an incredible ad read for an incredible company. Charlie Hustle, a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. And they love the Big 12. That's why they want you, especially you Big 12 fans, to be the best-dressed fans this season. And the best best-dressed fans in a... I'm just I'm 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 doing a I'm doing a terrible job here. I'm trying to add it. It's not going well. Be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel, featuring more than 30 schools, including all the Big 12 schools except Cincinnati and Colorado. Look, basketball season's here. Wrestling season's getting in, is underway. Like, and they've got gear for specific sports. And they just, it's stuff so good and it's so comfortable. I got the Big 12 shirt with the Kansas City Skyline in it and it's now one of my favorite t shirts. I love wearing it. It's just so comfortable. I had it on last weekend while I was watching games. It just felt great. So go check that one out. Go check out everything they have to offer. Use the promo code 101215, T E N 1215, to save 15% off all non sale items. And keep an eye out because there's plenty of sales going on from Charlie Hustle that are going to save you even more money between now and the end of the year. And with Christmas coming up, perfect opportunity to stock up your stockings, stock up things for your friends and family. So go to charliehustle.com, use that promo code 101215, or just pay attention to whatever the best sale is. Buy you some Big 12 gear. Be the best dressed fan this season. Charlie Hustle, vintage, made, fresh. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, we move on down the list. We go to, I don't know, the 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 conference championship game that I'm like least interested in watching. I'm going to have that ACC game on. And I'll just kind of keep tabs on this one. Number two, Michigan versus a number 16 ranked Iowa that is 10 and 10-2 in the least interesting or exciting 10-2 and 2 we've ever seen. I'm just like, cool. Uh, Michigan is a 22-point favorite. Total is at 35, 35 and a half, if you can find it. Daniel, I asked you before we started recording, can you can you hit me with the uh, the the Iowa team total for this game? Uh, so when you and I were chatting earlier offline here, um, that was actually just a promo bet that I think FanDuel or someone like that, DraftKings, was running for will they score – Basically, first half, there's 0.5 at even odds. You know, second half, there's 0.5 team total points. But I, that is not their actual team total, uh, to be clear. Um, I don't see it posted anywhere yet, but just implied on the line itself, their team total is going to be somewhere around like nine and a half of, you know, ten and a half, something like that. So, um, yeah, it's not as ugly as the 0.5 that we were laughing about for the literal team total. I, I, I really just want to find out a team total so I could, I could take, I want to take the Iowa team total. I don't even care what the total is. I don't care what the number is. Even at 0.5, I would probably go ahead and take it. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not kidding. Cause reminder, we want to do transitive property kind of stuff. And I don't typically like transitive property, but reminder, Penn state beat Iowa 31 to nothing. Michigan, who didn't throw a pass in the second half against Penn State, beat the Litany the uh, Litany Lions. Litany Lions. I don't care. They're the damn Lions. Twenty four to fifteen. Transitive property then says that Michigan should probably beat Iowa like forty to to zero. In fact, there was one model. I kid you not, and I don't remember which one it was. I think it was FEI that had the projected total of like Michigan twenty five and a half points, Iowa negative points. Yeah, I was, was going to mention that. Points. Um, yeah. <laughs> that I don't like the 22. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like, I don't, if, if any team in the country could find a way to score negative points, it would be the Iowa Hawkeyes. I, I don't like the total because Michigan might put up 35. If Iowa, if Penn State can win 31 to nothing, Michigan could cover a 22 point spread, but Michigan doesn't have to. Like, all they got to do is win. Michigan just needs to get up 10 points and just sit on the ball and do what they did to Penn State in that game and just run the entire second half and run the clock out. I want to make sure I'm very clear on this. I think Michigan can cover a 22-point spread. I question is whether or not they will have to, and thus will they. I don't like spreads this big. They always scare me. I don't want to do the total. Because Michigan, oh man, this I hate this game. With so I hate this game so much because I hate Penn State. It's terrible, ugly, awful, god awful football. They're a meme now. They're, that's the only team in the country who's a ten and two meme. Like 
Kansas used to be a meme. Congratulations, Iowa. You're a meme. Oh, screw it. I didn't do it last week and it bit me. Uh, I see 35 and a half. Just give me the under. Just give me the under 35 and a half. I don't think I will score more than three points in this game. Uh, Michigan doesn't have to score a lot of points. All they have to do is win and they're in. So unless Iowa turns the ball over a whole bunch, I think Michigan might just run the, like get up seven, nothing, get up 10, nothing, and then just run the ball and never throw a pass the rest of the game. And the only way I will score most likely is if they get an interception, a pick six or something. So give me the under 35 and a half. It's going to be a low scoring, ugly, unwatchable football game at 7 PM at Fox. It was Chris's turn, not mine. Sorry, Chris. You're up, bud. <laughs> no, you're good. Oh, man. No, it's uh, it's a tough game to pick. You know, and yeah, I was looking at that. The FBI efficiency Negative index. Points. No, yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever seen this before. Michigan is a 26 and a half point favorite. And the game total is 24 and a half points. So somehow, Iowa State is going to score a negative point. Iowa, Iowa. Oh, Iowa State, yeah. Just used to saying (laughs) Iowa State. Iowa, sorry. Iowa is going to score a negative point somehow. All right. Man, I don't know if there's a right side. This is just a coin flip. Let's be honest. You know, if, if, whoever, if we, if we win it, you lose it. No one knew. It's just a coin flip. And you just, on a game like this, you just hope to get lucky. Um, Unless maybe Daniel, you know, the professional actually knows what he's doing. Um, nope. the over under. I mean, Michigan could make up and cover that. I don't know. The what, what I I think I'm gonna go with you, Philip, for one reason, and it's not because the Big Ten championship is this week, it's because it was last week, and Michigan's coming off the Ohio State game, and that was a, a fun game to watch. That was a crazy game, it was an intense game, and both those schools knew what they're playing for in that game. They're playing for a playoff spot. They're playing for the Big Ten title. Because let's be honest, neither one of them is afraid of Iowa. Yes, they have to show up and they have to take care of business. And Michigan might be a little sluggish getting off the bus. And it might be ugly. Iowa's going to do everything they can to make it ugly. That's a really low point total. But I think I'm with you, Philip. I'm going to go under. Daniel? Mm. I swear I'm not doing this just for some game theory. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sure. No, here it comes. no, we're taking the over here. Michigan. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I got burned this year taking Michigan unders and uh, Coach Jim uh, loves to, dude. He just he loves just keep pouring it on teams. They they don't take their foot off the gas that much on the back half of the game. I'm like Philip Ruthie, like all they have to do is sort of win and get out of there, but. I mean, we all like to joke about Iowa, but if they go score 13 points somehow in this game or, you know, they get some short field somehow, um, this game's going to go over straight up. I mean, Michigan, they could do 35 on their own. This could No one would be surprised if this thing was 38-0, 41-6, something like that. Nobody. And all it takes is Michigan just to give a crap for three and a half quarters you know, have some fluky, weird quarter, have, you know, Iowa turn a ball over in their own, uh, you, you know, red zone for Michigan or something, a cheap seven. It's like that 35 is just blown up. And I've just seen Michigan so many times this year just crush under betters in the fourth quarter because they're still just steamrolling teams. And they're steamrolling, you know, I, I know defensively Iowa can hang around, but 
they're really outclassed here in this game against Michigan. Um, obviously, it'd be fun for pure mayhem. Somehow, Iowa wins. Yay. But, I mean, I just, you know, what's the chance of that? 1% or something stupid. Um, is it is it too late to switch my pick? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I just, I've just seen this story before. Like, low total. People love yeah. the And I've been one of them. No, the right. And Michigan just steps on people's throats. And it's like, oh, okay, well, the final of the game is 41-10. And just totally nope. blew out that thirty-five. So give it to me. You're Over. right. You can you convince me for sure. But uh, no, 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 dude, oh, no, no, you're, no, you're, you're trying to jinx me. You're but trying to jinx me. Now I know I lost it. No, 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 you're, no. I know no, what's no, happening no. right now. I know what's happening right now. You're trying to <laughs> jinx the pick. I know. You're, I know what you're doing. It's in the nice way. No, yeah, guys. It's in the nice bank. Good, good you, pick. You can, good, good pick, you guys. That's been deposited for you. Congrats on your W. <laughs> game, the game went under. Congrats. Hey, you know, I'm the sucker on the over, but, you know, congrats to you too. Nice hit. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's get to the game. Everybody is here to actually hear about. It is the Big 12 championship game. It will be at 11 a.m. on ABC on Saturday in Arlington, Texas. It will be a sea of orange burnt versus America's brightest. Texas, number seven, versus number 18, Oklahoma State. Uh, at the moment, Texas is a 15-point favorite. Numbers are a little bit all over the place, so we'll shop around. A total is pretty much a 55, though I see a couple other different options, so there's plenty of shopping to do with this game. Chris, since I robbed you of your first pick last time, you were oh. up first, sir. What would you like? Well, this is the easiest game to pick of, of what we've done so far. And that's because I'm just, you know, I get to pick against Oklahoma State. And and I wish I could just tell Gundy this personally, face-to-face, that you're going to lose this game and that you have no chance and, and all the bad coaching decisions he's made because apparently that's when he performs his best <laughs> is when the first three weeks of the season, I mean, oh, gosh, I was done with him. And now, like, the way he's turned the program around, I can understand him coach of the year. I don't know if I've ever seen a program turn around like that. That's it's unbelievable coaching job by him. I mean, he was getting booed last week, and they turned it around and came out and won. I mean, that's that's crazy. Uh, but it, it, it speaks to how up and down this team can be, and I don't know um, if a team that up and down and that inconsistent can come in and, and beat Texas. Texas is a very solid team. They're, they're very, very good. Uh, Oklahoma State has its work cut out for it. The Oklahoma State line, which has been doing like getting the run blocking for Gordon to go off it and have his performances and, and continually get better throughout the game. This might be the best defensive line that they faced. Um, this is going to be a tough day uh, for them. I don't know if they're going to have the horses in the stable to get it done. Bowman is going to have to go out and get this win, and I simply don't trust him to do that. He's inaccurate at times. He throws high at times. He makes some poor decisions at times. And he, Oklahoma State is at their best when he gets settled down and the offense isn't going through him. Uh, I don't know if that's gonna, if they're going to be able to win that way against Texas. I, I think Texas wants the offense to go through Bo- Bowman. They're going to do everything they can to shut down Ollie Gordon and uh, – it's going to be a tough day for the Pokes, but shoot, that doesn't take away from the turnaround they had this season and everything Oklahoma State has done to get to this point. Congrats to the Pokes. But Texas is – the Longhorns are just too good. I'm going to take Texas to cover. Uh, I've got plenty of 14 and a half, so that's what I'll give you. 
look, this is the final step on the Texas Revenge Tour. We talked about it on the podcast Monday, but this is the one team that wasn't on Texas's schedule who has absolutely had Texas's number over the last decade plus. Since 2010, Oklahoma State is 9-4 and four against Texas. That included a five-game win streak in Austin, the longest any team has a win streak anybody has against Texas in the city of Austin. Since TCU joined the conference, Texas has never beaten TCU and Oklahoma State in the same season. It didn't even look like they were going to get another shot this year. And then something happened. Oklahoma State had the weirdest freaking nine and three season of Gundy's tenure and found themselves in Arlington due to a win over Oklahoma and getting the tiebreaker there. This is Texas's story, not Oklahoma State's. Texas is going to win this game. That said, Texas is two and six straight up and against the spread against Oklahoma State in the last eight meetings. They're four and four against the spread as a double digit favorite this year. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State is 5-2 and two in their last seven as a double-digit underdog, and they've covered and won four straight as a dog. 20-7 and seven against the spread as a dog since 2017. 11-4 as a dog in the last three seasons. Texas is winning this game. They just are. Like I just, I, They're going to win this game, but I'm taking Oklahoma State to cover. 15 looks like the best I can do. Circa's got a 16, but they're the only one with a 16, so that seems a bit weird. Daniel? I mean, you could take it. What what that's telling the market is that there are some really respected people that have a lot of money on Texas. If, if Circa's dragging it out that far, you know, uh, Circa's not afraid to move. You know, they don't care what the market's doing, right? Circa okay. is going to move where they want to move. So if they're hanging a 16, it's real. And that means that people that they have designated as very respected uh, have some serious cash on Texas. We, we just need to get Circuit of VRO official book here on the network. Because that's the one we tweet out each week when they release their initial lines. We're just going to have to get Circa on board. So if anybody knows Circa, somebody there who wants to make them official sponsor to a podcast for pick shows, we would appreciate that. Well, I'm taking a 16. If I can have it, I'll take it. Oklahoma State plus 16. Daniel? You know, um, I'm going to – okay, I'm going to lose this pick. Sorry, Phil. Um, I'm going to go against my work here. Um, my line has this out closer to Texas at like a 16 and a half, 17 kind of vibe. Um, it's a, this is a neutral site, right? Right there. Yeah. It's an Arlington. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and it will be, it will be split. Oklahoma state fans showed up two years ago and Brett McMurphy tweeted out, uh, I think it was yesterday. Like this game is sold out. And they saw a huge ticket boom right after Oklahoma State beat BYU. So OSU fans are buying tickets. There will there were fans outside Gallagher Reba lined out the night before. Students could buy tickets like on campus for this game. Damn, it they, will be a sold out stadium. It will be all. It will be a true sea of orange. They sold out Jerry World. They sold out this game. That's sick. I mean, that's awesome. I'm just saying, you know, for the Big Twelve, like that's that's really really cool. I mean, that, that's going to be electric. That's going to be a, a, an absolute vibe going down there. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know. I just speaks well for the Big 12, I feel like. Who cares? See you, Texas. Get out of here. We don't need you. <laughs> um, okay, I'm, I'm coming with you on this one. Um, I, I don't know why. I just have this feeling in this championship game on the way out, the game's going to stay close. And dare I even say there's a minute where it's like 
Oklahoma State has the lead in the third quarter at some point. And there might even be some some buzz of like, oh, Oklahoma State just went up 10 points, you know, with six minutes left in the third. Just some moment of like, oh, crap, we have a full-blown game here, and this isn't just going to be some Texas double-digit favorite layup. Um, it's hard, you know, it, it's hard to put my finger on it, but it just feels like that this – a Big 12 championship game – uh, with, with two of the premier teams on their way out, it just does not feel like this is going to stick to the script. And I'll be surprised if this game kicks. And, you know, if, if we're talking, you know, this game going as the line says it's going to be, it's like, you know, Gundy's going to go lose this thing like 37 21. You know, are, are they going to go lose 40 to 17? It's, I just don't see that. I don't see Texas scoring in the high 30s and keeping keeping Oklahoma State down. So, man, we got 16 points that Circa's given out for Oklahoma State. I just feel like we're going to have a closer, better, competitive game. And going against my numbers, sorry, Philip, I'm screwing us here. Give me Oklahoma State. It's okay. Since the Big 12 championship came back in 2017, year one, Oklahoma over TCU is the only time it would have covered a 16-point spread. Oklahoma won 41 to 17. Otherwise, um, point margin was 12 points. Was it seven points? Six points? Five points? Three points? So, and the two seed, which would be Oklahoma State, has won this three years in a row. So it just like. History says, and granted, history doesn't mean anything every year is a new year, but history says this is going to, these have been close games. And OSU as a dog, I mean, the numbers are what the numbers are. So, all right, we wrap this up with our G5 picks. Everyone gets to pick one game of their choosing. I hope we don't all have the same uh, <laughs> game in our notes because then I'm going to have a problem. Uh, since I will be going last year, Daniel, you get the privilege of going first this time, sir. What would you like? You know what? This is just going to be a little bit of an emotional hedge here. Sorry if I took your game. Or maybe, hey, maybe you're on the other side. You have a different part of it. Uh, before the season started, I I bet SMU to win the conference. I thought they were one of the better teams. I thought they would find themselves here in this position. I'm a little bummed that they're dogs to Tulane, so I'm going to have a little bit of a harder time hedging. Uh, I do have a nice little hit if SMU can win this game on the money line. So... And what will be really dirty here on the emotional hedge is if Tulane wins by less than the spread. So I lose my pick here and I lose SMU <laughs> to win the conference. But um, you know what? Give me Tulane minus 3.5 and just no listeners and no guys. I will love if I lose this pick because SMU has won the game. Chris? Well, I really appreciate Daniel taking the other side of that. This is like, great. He did take my game, but I am going to stick with the same game, but I am. Damn it. SMU. <laughs> hey, let's go. My game. Come on, Chris, hit it. I, come on, SMU. <laughs> I, I want them to win yeah. straight up. Let's go. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, just the way I'm feeling it. Uh, there's I, there's some other, there's some good stuff out there for you, Philip, but sorry to take that from you, Philip, but. Uh, Not that I, really I researched. Thought Daniel, I thought Daniel was going to take it from me and he left it open. So I'm going to, I'm going to snatch that up. Uh, you get SMU. Take it over under, so we're all in the same game. I didn't research that. No, every it, this one's interesting, and I, and I I don't mean it for I spend a bunch of time on the AAC championship game because, again, like I said, like 
season projections base everything off of how teams performed. Obviously, SMU will not have starting quarterback Preston Stone for this game. He's out for the season after suffering a broken leg against Navy. Kevin uh, Kevin Jennings will start against Tulane. Parker, Room 44, Tishu, Beta, FEI, and K Ford all project SMU as the winner here. And the lowest is Room 44 with SMU minus 3.4. Like, that's it's wild to me. It's absolutely wild. Like, that seems like the, 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 like, like the best pick, but it's also robbed by the quarterback injury. So we'll have to see what happens. Well, since you took the one that I had written down, I was afraid that was going to happen. I have <laughs> no idea. So, mm, um, da, 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 da. can I just take Army Navy for next? No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's see. Now I have to shop. Uh, Troy's. Look at Troy. Efficiency says Troy's a closer to a 10 point favorite, and you can get it under a touchdown. Uh, you know what? The one I kind of like, and it's, I'm just, yeah. Uh, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm taking UNLV plus two and a half. Oh, I think it's a wrong well, team yeah. favorite. Yeah. I think, I think it's a wrong team favorite. I'm glad boys is here. They're going to play in this game. And then their head coach is probably going to get fired. <laughs> or hasn't he? No, his game is, he has been fired. He's not even the head coach anymore. They don't have their head coach. Like, uh, give me UNLV. I think wrong team is favored. I think UNLV will beat Boise State and win the, win the Mountain West, and it'll be a great year. Uh, Brendan Marion's either going to get a big boy OC job and a Power 5 job, or Barry Odom's going to get a P5 job again. I don't know, but I think is winning this. Wrong team's favored. Give me UNLV plus two and a half. All right, that wraps us up. Uh, thank you to everyone. Enjoy championship weekend. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 1012 Network. Uh, 1012 Network on the Blue Sky as well. 1012, 1012 Pod on Instagram. And what's the other one? I can't keep track of all threads. Yeah, that's it. Threads. Aha. I post as much as I can. Don't forget to uh, check us out on, on YouTube as well. Follow Daniel on Twitter at DannerB7. Chris is not on Twitter, but if you've got an, uh, in, any interest in, uh, in Discus... Throwing some not frisbees, but we all say frisbee. Isn't that a a frisbee is. Discus. I don't know, man. What do you call discs? Throwing, throwing. Disc golf. Plates? Just call it disc golf. I'm playing disc golf. It's disc golf. There it is. Disc golf. Disc golf. If you like disc golf, ask ask Chris about it. Oh, let's just get out of here. We'll talk to y'all on Monday. Podcast Network.